RingCentral are the leading cloud communications and collaboration solution for today's workforce. RingCentral integrates your team messaging, video meetings and business phone into one application so your team can do more together from anywhere. For a free trial, visit ringcentral.com.au. RingCentral, communications reimagined. Welcome to the Employees Matter podcast where we bring you the latest information to help business owners, entrepreneurs and managers manage their team through COVID-19 and beyond. Listen in as we share leading edge information with experts across a variety of fields, from HR to legal, to negotiation to mental health and so much more to help you not just survive, but thrive through the pandemic. And now here's your host, Natasha Hawker. Jeremy Fleming is the Managing Director of Stage Kings, the company responsible for some of the most well-known temporary event structures of the last six years in Australia. Since Friday the 13th of March 2020 and the shutdown of the event industry, Jeremy has been navigating Stage Kings through the most difficult time the event industry has ever experienced. Facing the prospect of losing everything, he saw a chink in the supply chain and pivoted Stage Kings to manufacture work-from-home office furniture. This has now evolved into its own brand, ISO Kings, selling more than 30,000 items with now over 70 different products in the range. I know you're going to enjoy this chat with Jeremy as much as I did. Enjoy. One of the themes that we're seeing being played out as a result of COVID is the restructuring, redundancy and unfair dismissal piece. Today, I wanted to explore a business that has pivoted as a result of COVID and done that successfully because I believe that for some businesses, COVID has actually been an opportunity. The same could be said for employee matters as everything COVID has employee implications. I am super excited to welcome from ISO Kings, Jeremy. Welcome, Jeremy. Good morning, Natasha. How are you doing? I'm doing super well. I am so excited to learn. I've done some research for this podcast and I am so excited to dig even deeper and find out about your journey over the last sort of 15 months and and what that's done because I do think it's really important to explore some of the silver linings around COVID and I truly believe that there are always lessons in exploring other people's businesses because one of my great mentors a guy called David Dugan always used to say to me or still says to me success leaves clues Uh, but before we get into that success and the clues that it's left for us Let's talk about you. How did you end up where you are today with Stage Kings? Yeah, it's, it's been quite a journey. Um, we, I started Stage Kings six years ago. Um, I actually have a scaffold background and I was working for a scaffold manufacturer in Germany and selling stages to, uh, to, to staging companies. And um, that sort of gave me uh, the idea that, that Australia needed the, some more themed and uh, really decorated stages like you see throughout Europe, you know, the Tomorrowlands and the EDMs and the, these sorts of things. And so uh, the, the plan for was to start Stage Kings and do decorated stages for festivals. And so we, we started that six years ago, uh, uh, my wife and I, and the plan was to, 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 to really give the market a different uh, a different look of, of experiential kind of festivals. And so it's more about coming for the experience than even really who's on stage. And, and we did that and it, and it went really well for, for a lot of years. And um, we, we very quickly got, uh, got a really great repertoire of stages. And um, as far as in our second year, we were doing stages for the NRL 
And then in our third year, we won the Commonwealth Games opening ceremony. So it was a very quick uh, rise, rise to success. And isn't that a great example of successfully excludes? Because what you were experiencing in Europe, you know, that have been doing this for a lot longer than we have in many cases was, okay, here's the new thing. This is what's working. There's a market for this in Australia. Yeah, absolutely. Everything, uh, I, I was working for another staging company in Australia for a little while and everything was looking the same here. And, and, and it's really, it, it all came down to who was on the stage. There was no real experience other than that. And Europe, like you say, they've been doing it for so long and uh, it, it, was, it, it was ready for them. So let's talk about what do you love about what you do, given you're a scaffolder and now you, you know, build these amazing sets and what frustrates you about your business or your, your industry or craft? Yeah, look, let's keep talking pre-COVID, I guess. Uh, So in the staging business, what I love is the, is the variety and we, we never do much, very rarely do the same thing twice. Mm -hmm. So one day we could be building a replica of Shakespeare's Globe Theatre and then the next week, we could be building a replica of the Edinburgh Military Castle, uh, Edinburgh Tattoo Castle. Mm. And, uh, you know, it, it's always different. We, um, the Commonwealth Games opening ceremony, then even at, even music festivals, we design different stages for every, every show. So we might build a lion for one show and a dragon for another show, all these really crazy wild stages. So you're talking pretty big stages, a lot of the stuff we do, yeah? 60 metres wide, 25 metres high, and some big, big stuff. And I imagine technology plays into that a fair bit. Look, it does. There's always a lot of production, particularly in the, in the, the dance party and festivals mm. we do. There's a lot of lasers and lights and screens, and that's a big part of the show. Well, some stages we do have water features and pyro, and yeah, there's, there's always a lot to look at. Do you get to go and see all these wonderful shows? <laughs> I used to go to a lot of them, but I don't go to so many anymore. I, you don't I have like time. I like to see them built and then that's about it. <laughs> well, look, I also was really curious to know that your business partner is also your wife, Tabitha. And I know mm. that the majority of people that I talk to think they could never, ever work with their partner. Uh, what's it, what makes it work so well for the both of you? No, we, we really do complement each other very nicely. She, she, she manages all of the back end and, and uh, the, the things that I don't do. And I'm, I sort of, push forward and talk to talk to all the people and it's it, we really work well when one of us is up, when one of us is down the other one's always up and and it's always worked out nicely and it actually was we described yesterday well someone said that there's carters and sewers uh, and uh, and and uh, you know I I cut very quickly and and she and Mick sew very quickly behind me so it's <laughs> the cutters and the sewers I like it. I love that. I think that's brilliant. And I'm, I'm, I know how you feel because we're the same. I'm a husband and wife team as well. And, uh, and what I'm good at, Mark's not. And what Mark's good at, I'm definitely not good at. You don't want me anywhere near it. So, um, but what I do love about it is you're building something together. Um, the only thing we have done, though, is when we've gone away for weekends, we'll have a swear jar and you cannot talk about business for the entire weekend because you know, it does sort of go into your whole life, doesn't it? You know, it's yeah, very it hard does. to have a conversation that doesn't end up talking about work in, in some way, shape or form. So let's um, jump to the point where, you know, this stuff starts to really get nitty gritty for you. On the 13th of March 2020, Scott Morrison made an announcement that was instantly... I'm guessing, devastating for your business. What was going through your head as you listened to that announcement? 
Ah, uh, it, it was a real one of those sinking feelings. We we were down in Melbourne and we just finished building the set for the Formula One stage for Robbie Williams and Miley Cyrus. Uh, and we, we had the Ninja Warrior was just about to be finished being built as well. And we were all watching the press conference on a mobile phone in Melbourne. And immediately we didn't think everything would cancel. We thought that Vivid and the Easter show and things would still happen. We thought surely they, they, everything won't end. Yeah. But within a, you know, a matter of days, uh, everything did cancel. And um, we lost millions of dollars worth of revenue from that from that uh, that call and the whole event industry the whole event industry just went uh, went under in 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 that moment in a matter of days and, and i imagine you have to be very resilient to cope with something like that yeah look you do it's uh, you asked about how we felt i i jumped straight on a plane and came back to to the family and uh tab and i were sitting around and and talking about potentially losing everything we thought that there, there was a there was a real chance we were going to lose everything and mm. including the house the, you know we've got uh, uh there's there's nothing you can do with no no income yeah. and so uh, you know I, I rang my mum and and up in harvey bay and said look if worst case scenario we might end up coming up with you and uh it was with you know that, and that's the way we looked at it. That worst case is still not a bad option. Which we, we lose the stuff we got here, but we'll, we've got our health. I'm but, sure your um, mum would have loved you to come and live with her. You would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little while. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've heard you say in the past that one of the other things that I think you did really well with this was you started talking to lots of people. Tell me more about that. Well, we did. We we really wanted to find something that we could still do, and we we'd seen overseas that they were building temporary you know, pop up testing facilities and waiting rooms and and all these uh, temporary structures that we we can build. We that's what what we do, and um, so we were jumping on the phone to as many people as we could throughout the states and Europe, and uh, it's a small market, the event market. We know each other around the world, and so we were ch chatting to a lot of people, and we actually went through a pro whole process of designing up hospital waiting rooms, uh, COVID safe ones. We talked to talked to the hospitals here in Randwick, and we went to our local uh, mayor here in the Sutherland Shire and spoke to him about uh, what we could do to get in front of hospitals and build these things in car parks. But it was um, it was very early days, Friday the thirteenth. Mm. Friday the twentieth, and and no no one was really ready to have those conversations. But we um, we did everything we could to 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 uh, to find out what we could still do. So you you said you went into planning mode. Can you share what that process was like? And and you know what did you how do you plan in a pandemic? You know when there's so much uncertainty. And and then take me through the journey of how ISO Kings came to be about. Sure. We, 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 the first thing we had to plan was outgoings and, and how we were going to manage them and manage the little money we had going to be coming in. Mm. And so with zero income, we, we had to talk to our landlord and try and get reduced rental. We talked to all of our equipment finance companies and anyone that we needed to, we spoke mm. to to see what we could do with, with outgoings and to minimise that. And we, we worked through if we, if we let go of everyone uh, besides Mick, uh, Jessup and myself, uh, and we could probably do two days a week, uh, just tidy, tidying and doing what we could. Um, we we might make three or four months is, is what we kind of calculated. And so, that, that, again, we, we sort of couldn't bear that and, uh, mm. and all, letting go of all the staff. And we uh, we kept talking to people to see what we could do, the, trying to plan anything we could. 
And that's where uh, I, I had a conversation. So Friday the 20th, one week after the announcement is when we told the guys that we, we, we're not going to have any work for a while. Take your stuff and, and we'll, we'll keep in touch. And hopefully uh, it's not doesn't last too long. And so that was a very tough afternoon. Mm. Um, we, you know, the guys all left their keys and took, took their tools home. And we, uh, yeah, that, that was, that was it for, we didn't really know how long it was going to last. Uh, but in the background, I kept working through things and, um, and it was that Sunday morning after that, uh, I was talking to an old friend in, in Ireland who was working out here for us for a while. And he said, look, we, they're in the same situation. Uh, we've got a CNC router, which we use to make our sets. Uh, he said, why don't you think about making some uh, some desks? And that's what really flicked the switch for us. And I, I messaged Mick and, and said, look, what do you think of this idea? There's no desks available. We, we'd seen that Officeworks was sold out. Sold out. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. All these guys bringing stuff in from China, couldn't get any stock and, and was a 20-week lead time for a lot of that. So there literally was no desks available. And so Mick, uh, Mick and a very lucky coincidence for us, Mick designs furniture as a hobby. Uh, and uh -huh. he's made his furniture in his house. And so that was Sunday morning. Uh, we, we met on Monday morning and he'd 3D printed a couple of uh, these uh, ideas he'd had to clip together flat pack desks. And uh, we cut those on the router that day and, and they were great. They're four pieces, flat pack, put them up in the morning, pull them down in the afternoon if you had to. And whole industries of people are now working from home yeah. uh, with no desks available. So we jumped straight on it. We, we made the first desks on Monday. So the idea is Sunday, made the desks Monday. Monday evening, Tabitha put together an e-commerce site and tacked it onto our Squarespace page. And, uh, you know, with, with very little uh, knowledge of e-commerce, we, we got underway with this e-commerce site, watching YouTube tutorials, learning how to put it all together. And so then, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. That was that was Monday night. It took a lot of Monday night, but then Tuesday morning we took some photos of these new desks. We had a, a, de a, a normal sit-down desk and a stand-up desk. We the two of them, and by Tuesday afternoon the e-commerce site was live. We were we were on sale. And so, how long did it take for you to get your first sale? Minutes. Uh, so what we did, we. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was quite amazing. And this is where the story gets, it, it blows us away. So I, I wrote a letter that we put out as an open letter and put it on all social media. And I just said that we can't bear losing our staff. And so we, we, we've had this idea to make desks. Uh, we hope it keeps our lights on and our staff employed. And that, that letter very quickly went, well, we say viral, but it was shared thousands of times and, wow. and seen a million people. and. Um, and that really instantly we started getting sales. I think we sold 30 or so desks on day one and it went up from there. And um, we, we, our anniversaries just, just happened and we've done 35,000 pieces in, uh, wow. in months. So it's uh, it was the, the, the timing of that was perfect. If we had have uh, procrastinated and uh, it wouldn't have, wouldn't have been as successful as it was. And I think that's a great example of seize the opportunity and prolific yeah. rather than perfect, which is another mentor of mine, um, Glenn Carlson, talks about that all the time. And I, I think like that's that. so true. Yeah, you have to just um, get out there and do it. The market will tell you what they want. And the market did tell you what they want, 35,000 pieces yeah. they wanted. So I think that's amazing. So tell me, um, obviously, the staging part of the business, I imagine, is starting to build again. Mm -hmm. Are you always going to run these two product lines now? 
Well, we are. ISO King's really, uh, the, the amount of brand equity in ISO King over the last 12 months has been quite a, amazing. And we, so we've, we've split the brand off and called it ISO King now and made its own thing. And so we're, we're currently running both of them. Stage King's has come back with te television and film is a big, big part of our business. And, and uh, luckily the government supported that very much here and, and it's uh, taken off again. So we have got two, two very good businesses running it at once. So let's go back to where you said you had to let some people go because I could feel the the t the tear for you in that you know that was not something you were comfortable with. Talk me through the process of that, um, and then I imagine you had to get some of them back. Yeah, it was it, the the process of letting them go was just horrible. We 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 all left here and went up to the pub and had a couple of beers, and uh, you know it was it was a really dark day. To call them back again the week after was pretty special. We, we had to, we called everyone back in by Wednesday the next week. So they had a couple of days holiday and then they were back into it. I don't think anyone stopped a day since. But um, <laughs> so we did, we called all of our staff back in. Uh, we also, it, it ramped up so quickly, we needed to pull in more people. And yeah. so we we had we had 25 people at the time. Our, our, our staff goes up and down with events. It's a, yeah. a normal thing. We had 25 people at the start of COVID and during COVID, we actually had to ramp that up and we employed an additional 70 people uh, oh throughout COVID, uh, which is which is astounding. And that uh, what we did is early on, we made the decision we wanted to try and support the event industry. There was hundreds of thousands of people now out of work. Mm. And so we wanted to try and support them as, as best we could. So we called in a, a event workers and said, anyone from the event industry that wants to come and help us sand and pack and deliver desks, uh, to come come along and, and so everyone was from the event industry and and that was all part of the story we didn't use shipping companies we mm. used roadies and we used the you know event crew to actually Brilliant. drive desks out to people and, and we did that in new south wales victoria queensland and adelaide and south australia so and, they were um, literally using their cars no you literally yeah they backed <laughs> cars i was uh, finally uh, the anniversary the other day i, I was looking through uh, old photos and all these people's cars lined up with full of desks and, and pieces wrapped up and they did they everyone had a specific area and they went out and hand delivered so and that was a big part of the story and we got so much feedback from that 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 people was felt so good being able to help the the event industry and 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 the helping of the industry went even further than that and and from the minute we decided to do desks we wanted to donate a portion of that back to the industry charity support act who mm. who really looks after uh, live event workers that all they, and a lot of them fell through the government cracks so, you yeah know, there, there was no a lot of these guys didn't qualify for any kind of uh, assistance because they haven't uh, done because there's a lot of casual and a lot of uh, yeah that's right so so these guys are were really doing it tough and support act uh, have crisis relief grants that that they give to artists and event workers and, and they're an amazing organization and so we donated ten dollars from every desk sale to them and Brilliant. and again just uh, on our anniversary we've donated ninety thousand dollars to those guys so Love last it. year which is amazing support from from all of our followers I think, you know, what I find too is where people feel that there's a giving impact as a result of doing business with you, they feel better about doing business with you. And what I love about yeah. what you were just sharing there is it's aligned to your industry. You know, it's about let's look after each other and, and we'll all get through this together. So that's brilliant. And will that continue post-COVID? 
Yeah, well, we've 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 agreed that we're going to continue giving a percentage of all revenue through the ISO King Two Support Act. Uh, we also around Christmas we we made spe special Christmas trees. You know, wooden timber timber slot together Christmas trees. It did amazingly well, and we donated a portion of that to the Smith family uh, Christmas appeal. And I feel right doing that. I, I just want to explore, and I hope it's okay because we've heard Mick's name a couple of times. I believe that organisations have a number of different people in their organisations and we call them prisoners, conscripts, trainees, volunteers, and then there's the superstar. And the superstar tends to be sort of mm -hmm. that top 5% of your workforce and everyone in the business knows who, who it is. So tell me, why is yep. Mick so critical to your business? He's absolutely the superstar. You know, he, his, his uh, creativity and design and just the way that he, he does everything is, is amazing. And without Mick, we wouldn't have had any of these designs. And yeah, he, he'll have an idea for something in the morning or the, a lot of the ideas actually came from our followers uh, throughout the year. The people would say, oh, we need, we want a shoe rack or we need a, a wine rack or something. And, mm. and uh, Mick had come in, in in the morning, he'd see what people want by Smoko, he'd have it designed and we'd have it prototyped and on sale that day. That the, 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 the speed that we could turn things around because of Mick's genius, uh, it is amazing and a big, big part of the success of ISO King. So, Joey, how do you manage a superstar like a Nick? Look, you just give them the space. And <laughs> he, uh, he, he just he he designs away, and he's also so Mick was also is also a head of production for stages. So he's a big part of stage design and um, very creative. He's been in the in the arts industry for a very long time. Production managed hundreds and hundreds of shows over over the last decade, and uh, so the, no one knows it better than him. So you, you just give him the space, and uh, and he makes it happen. Brilliant, love it. I want to go back to that social media um, stint. You know where you said that you put that open letter out. Um, on reflection, what was it about this approach that worked for you? And then how did I imagine you when you say it got was it liked or whatever a million times? How do you manage those that volume of interactions? Uh, well, we, we had to put someone on to do it in the end. Uh, so we've actually got a couple of people now doing doing our social media because I was doing it myself for, for a long time and it's uh, that doesn't work. Uh, but uh, I think it, I, you touched on it before with people feeling that they're helping, uh, feeling that they're actually, their purchase is is uh, helping someone. Mm. It, that's that's the, the story that, and it wasn't a sales pitch. I didn't go out saying, buy this desk it's amazing or I said we're doing this to help to help and it happens that the desks are amazing which is necessary uh, to remain successful but uh, but people were people connected to the story they felt they were doing good everyone everyone's been to the theater or to a show or a music event and to, so, so for them to feel that they were helping that industry I think that's a big part of the story. So what are the most successful products for ISO Kings? The, the the desks by far uh, have been have been the most successful, but then there's a couple of strange ones thrown in there. The puzzle board, you know, when Scott Morrison told everyone to stay at home and do puzzles, they took it very literally, and um, so we made this puzzle board to help people's to to protect people's backs, and uh, so it's on an angle, and they can do their puzzles. So we sold thousands of puzzle boards. Shoe racks is a very big seller. Uh, as the, we, we called it a picnic desk, we, we, around Christmas we made a very miniature version of our original desk with a wine holder and some glass holders and those things uh, went crazy. 
Oh, I love it. Love it. So um, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, when you had to hire again, did you do anything differently with how you hired people from how you used to do it in the past? Or is it all word of mouth in your game? It's it, There's a lot of word of mouth. I don't think we've ever had to um, do a big uh, seek ad or anything, but um, it, everyone knows everyone in the event industry. There's a lot of great freelance people. And the when 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 we needed people for ISO King, there was hundreds of thousands available. So they the, the, everyone was was jumping on. But what what has is the best thing that's come out of it is we got these amazing people from the event industry that would now want to stick around. So uh, we've really had the pick of the industry mm. that, that now work here. So we've kept everyone busy right through COVID where others couldn't. So we've now got a, we've got a team of superstars. And, and that is absolutely critical to success. You know, I always talk about it in the sense that, you know, the difference between the companies that really make it and the companies that don't is what we call employee assets. You know, we say that your employees are your greatest strength. And I truly believe that. And I think, you know, one of the lovely yeah. things about your story is you've now got a team of A players and that makes doing business so much easier you know, then, then when you've got the CD oh. and B players, you know, the prisoners and the conscripts. So let's talk about culture because oh. culture is something that I love and I'd love to hear what, how you would describe the culture of ISO Kings and Stage Kings. And is it the same culture or do the two different product lines or businesses bring different culture? It's it is it is still the same culture and and it, from this from when we started Stage Kings we we consciously said we want to make this a place people want to come and work, mm -hmm. and so we 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 kind of go out of our way to try and make sure people enjoy it here and you know we work very hard and we work uh, events are, are very draining and you know, you can be working sixteen hours a day and just because. The show must go on on the day it must must happen so we work very hard but we also have a lot of fun uh yeah we, we have a barbecue once a week we catch up a lot we spend a lot of time together and and i think uh people do enjoy coming to work here and i certainly enjoy it i i uh, i love everyone that we work with here and it's it's a great place oh that's great what have you learned from your pivot experience jeremy in terms of pivoting into iso kings as you reflect back now as you said you've just had your 12 month anniversary congratulations what what have you learned from the experience the biggest thing i have learned is that it, it, with it with an idea it's only as good as as what you do with it and so it's not to have an idea and then procrastinate or overanalyze and uh, you know if we had to wait only a few weeks longer there's no way we would have had the success we've had and it's because we turned it around in 48 hours that that we had that you know we, we made a huge amount of mistakes and that's another part is that don't that's not the end of the world mistakes aren't a, you know, mistakes are, are, need to be made so that we can move forward and um and we did we we left a lot of money on the table you know having roadies deliver desks is not the cheapest way to do it mm. uh, but uh, but it's uh, it's a part of the story and i wouldn't it wouldn't change anything uh, over the last 12 months you know with the the e-commerce site we first tacked on was nowhere near as near powerful enough now we're on we've changed that three times now and um and again we've left money on the table but it got it got us up and running very quickly and did the job it needed to do and and we've learned a huge amount. We didn't even know what SEO, SEO was. was 
<laughs> we, we've had to learn on the run and, and that's and that's part of it that's part of it I think it's it's the, so the biggest thing is to make a start and, and learn along the way I think education is absolutely critical I'm a big um, self-educator but I, I, you know I when I'm hearing you now I, I it feels like you were just drinking through a fire hose you know and you just had to keep going <laughs> keep right. going one foot yeah. in front. Um, so if you had your time over, you touched on a little bit there, but if you had your time over, is there really nothing you would do differently? I really don't think it, there would be because everything we've done, every mistake we've made, you know, it, it's, it's all led to, it's all been a part of the story and the story is what people have connected with. Um, you know, it's, it's, we, we've made it through this time. We've not made a lot of money out of it. It's, it's really kept us afloat and kept yeah. a lot of people afloat. And that was the main aim. Um, and so, no, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. It's um, yeah, no. So let's change gears and talk about the future. What's the future mm -hmm. holding store for Stage Kings and ISO Kings? So we, like I mentioned before, we've rebranded ISO King. Uh, it's still all under the umbrella of Stage Kings, but we're, we're working on that at the moment. We see the future of ISO King is, is huge. E-commerce is such an, an open uh, slather. It's, it's such a big market, you know. We, um, we're, we're really focusing on, on growing ISO King and into new markets. We've got now uh, a new home range that's going to be launched on the 15th of April. Um, which is, it's going to take the, take the furniture game by storm, I think. So you know? can you share anything about what's in there? Yeah, sure. Yeah, look, it's, we've, Mick, again, has done an amazing job. And we, we came to a crossroads, I'll quickly jump yeah. back. We came to a crossroads a couple of months ago where Stage Kings was coming back and it was taking a lot more of our focus. And the decision had to be made, do we keep running ISO King or do we wind it up and push everything back into Stage Kings? And, you know, desk sales have, have eased off, uh, absolutely. But, um, you know, so things are still ticking over very well. We've still got a huge amount of support for ISO King. And the, we, we made the decision that we can't, uh, we can't wind up ISO King. The, the brand equity we've got there is, is, is amazing. And, uh, and so Mick then designed up a, a TV unit, a TV cabinet. And that, when we all saw that, we said, no, there's no way we're getting rid of ISO King. This is, this is, this is better than anything we've ever seen on the market. So, so the new range that we're calling it the at-home range is the, is the, we've got a TV cabinet, we've got a coffee table, side tables, a bed frame that's going to blow people's minds, uh, bookcases. So really a more whole uh, range of, it, it more substantial kind of furniture than, than our uh, original four and five piece desks, but they, they're all still clipped together. No tools. Uh, so no, even no, I uh, could put it together. <laughs> even I could Absolutely. put it together. Absolutely. These Jerry. things all go together in five minutes. That's I, right. That's right. I think so there's big future for us. Part of the market. We're very excited. Yeah. I think you've captured a big part of the market there. Um, I it. also remember in my research, where do you get your wood from? And I think there's a big sustainability piece here too, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That was another thing we wanted to do is make sure we were as sustainable as possible. And so we use we use fast growing birch ply, uh, which is sustainable. It's all F FSC uh, certified and and we actually recycle 100 percent of our offcuts. So uh, the offcuts all go into a recycle bin and there's a local company here in Australia called Borg. They take all of our offcuts and make other timber products with that. So, um, so that we, we the, the waste we throw out is very minimal. 
So what I'm hearing is great products, easy to construct, give back to the community and it's recyclable and eco-friendly, yeah, right. which is fantastic. That's great. Um, I wanted to um, slightly change tact here. I asked this question to every guest. Who's been your best boss to date and why have they been your best boss? And you're ha if they're happy and you're happy to mention their name, I'm happy for us to give them a shout out because I think we need more great bosses. Yeah, wow, that's that's a good one. I, I've had quite a lot of bosses over over the years, and um, and I've learned from all of them whether it's what to do or what not to do. Um, so <laughs> I think I've learned probably more from the bad ones. The uh, look, I, I as an apprentice, I had a boss that. that uh, so I, I'm a bridge carpenter by trade, and I had a boss uh, in the bridge bridge team, a guy named Ken Trevanian, and he he was he was amazing. He supported me in, in a lot. He made sure that I was always learning any any uh, license or ticket that I could do, he got me to do. And that, that set me up really for life. Um, certainly for my work career, uh, he, it, without him as a boss, I probably wouldn't have had the confidence to start my own company. And that's true. I think, you know, to be a business owner or a, or a startup or an entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it, you need a certain amount of confidence. You need that belief that mm. it's all going to be okay. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Great. Look, Jeremy, this is the first time we've met and I have so loved hearing your story. If people would like to get in touch with you, what's the best way to connect with you? And also what's the best way to get in touch with this at home product? Yeah, the, I, the best place is just to, to go to the ISO King page, isoking.com.au. Uh, and uh, you, all the details are on there. We're also on Facebook uh, under ISO King and Stage Kings. So we've got one for both now uh, and Instagram and all the usual places. So if you search us, we're there. Fantastic. Well, look, if you enjoyed this interview, you're also going to enjoy our interview with Kathy Tratzellis about what happens at mediation if you don't run a compliant uh, redundancy program. Thanks for listening and remember to subscribe or better still tell your friends and families about the Employees Matter podcast. I'm Natasha Hawker and remember your employees really do matter. I hope that you've enjoyed today's episode of Employees Matter podcast with Natasha Hawker. For episode notes and other resources, please visit employeematters.com.au forward slash podcast. While you're there, you might like to subscribe for future episodes so you can continue to thrive during the COVID-19 crisis. Please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends, team and business network. This podcast was proudly brought to you by Ring Central.